You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hello, you're joining me for episode number 258 of the Blended Family Podcast. And today, as promised, is part one of our two-part series on the teenage perspective. And I'm so excited to bring this show to you because I know, as having teenagers myself, that we don't always know what's going on in their mind and we wanna help them, and teenagers are just very difficult to understand. And we don't always think about their feelings, especially when we are so wrapped up in our own lives. And so I just thought it would be a really good idea to bring this show to you. Uh, The first part, which is today, my guest Brad Jaffe is gonna be helping us discuss the teenage perspective, but in part two, which will be next week, we're actually gonna be speaking directly to your teenager. And of course, you should listen as well, either first before you share it with them or you can listen with them. But we wanna talk directly to them as well because we know that they're struggling and sometimes they need to hear the advice that we have. And so that's going to be next week. Now, if you missed last week, I, I was a solo show and I was just talking about habits that could be hurting your blended family. And these are habits that many people have in blended families and it was just I had mentioned it's a really good place to start. So if you're new to the show, uh, go back and listen to that one. In addition, I have so many other episodes. If you just look back in the archive, there are hundreds of episodes there and pretty much covering about any topic that you could think of. I do have some interesting topics coming up soon as well. I don't have many announcements today. I do want to mention for you to please join my newsletter. I am not one of those companies that spam you or that send out email after email after email. I know that uh, many companies do that and that's okay, but that's not what I'm going to do. I don't have the time for that. And I know that you certainly don't have the time to be reading through email after email from me. And so I'm lucky if I get out one per month. I haven't even been doing that, but it's just a good way for me to have your information in case there is something that I need to get out to you. Um, I'm thinking about switching my social media platform. I will not just do that to you suddenly, so don't worry, but I'm looking into some other options. But additionally, just sometimes there's news I want to share, and I would just like to be able to have your information, especially with the way that the internet is lately and censorship and all kinds of things that are going on. So if you want to subscribe to my newsletter, that is just blendedfamilypodcast.com slash subscribe. I would love for you to join. Please, if you can, give me your first and last name as well because I do random giveaways and I'm going to be gearing up to start those again soon. And when I do, I always pick somebody from my list, but I'd love to have your name as well as just your email address. So with that, I am going to just get started right into this show. I don't have anything else to announce. Uh, You will hear the ad from this week's sponsor, and then we're going to head right into the interview. I hope you guys enjoy it, and I hope it's super helpful to you and your teenager. Living the Good Life Naturally is a self-care company focusing on magnesium, Statistics show that up to 50% of the U.S. population is magnesium deficient, 
which can cause a multitude of health issues, including headaches, muscle cramps, seizures, hair loss, and more. Kristen Bowen, founder, created the company out of her own personal health struggles. So she really cares, and she has a mission to help others achieve optimal health. I myself am a huge believer in these products, and I use them on a daily basis. It's been especially helpful for my anxiety and my pain. Try the magnesium soak, the magnesium spray, or the delectable bath bombs for an extra treat. And check out the website to see the entire product line and learn more at livingthegoodlifenaturally.com. Or you can go back and listen to episode number 237 when Kristen was on this show. Don't forget to use my promo code BLENDED to receive a special discount. Order today and get your health back. Brad Jaffe is a licensed therapist in South Florida who works with young adults struggling with mood, anxiety, and personality disorders, as well as dysfunctional families. Brad believes that treatment involves not just the identified patient, but the entire family, In addition to his private practice, he's on the corporate therapist for one of the leading e-commerce companies in the country and is an adjunct professor of clinical practice at Florida Atlantic University. He holds degrees from the University of Florida and Columbia University and studied at the American Institute for Psychoanalysis. If he has free time, he enjoys cycling, traveling, and trying to train his Wheaton Terrier puppy, Gracie. Welcome to the show, Brad. Thank you for having me. Of course. So in today's show, we're going to be talking about the teenager's perspective, which I think is essential to try and understand in order to better support your growing teen. And it's really easy to forget what life was like for us back then. But if we try, we can remember that it was challenging. Well, it's exponentially more challenging now as we look at all the chaos around us. And I know that I wouldn't want to be a teenager in these times. So Today, my guest, Brad, will help us take a deep dive into the teenager's mind so that we can understand the unique challenges that they face in the blended family, because it's not just us. They face a lot of challenges, too. Now, Brad, you get to work closely with teenagers in your line of work, and I'm sure in many cases you know more about their feelings than their parents do. So today, I'd love for you to be their voice today, to be the teenager's voice while we talk to their parents and hopefully shed some light on what's really going on in those teenage minds, because it's already challenging just to be a teenager. But when the teenager is placed in a blended family situation, that can certainly magnify some of the challenges that are already naturally happening. And so I'd like to discuss some of the major challenges that teens face in the blended family home today. But first, I'd like to um, for you to introduce yourself for a moment and explain exactly what it is that you do in your line of work, what types of clients you're able to help, and really Why did you even get into that line of work in the first place? Sure. So again, thanks for having me on. And and I'll tell you that, you know, in in the introduction that you that you mentioned about, you know, in my bio, I want to really hone in on one important important point, which is the the importance of working with families when teenagers are are oftentimes referred. So uh, why why I say that is, is that none of us were are born in a bubble or grow up on an island. We're all products of our environment. And so the idea that that teenagers, um, you know, sort of come and, and, you know, they bring a lot of, of, of issues to me and to other therapists as well. It's important to really understand uh, how those ideas formed, how their feelings are shaped, what their thoughts are. And in order to do that, we really have to understand uh, their home life, 
their school life, um, you know, their wishes, their fantasies, their desires. And what I've noticed in my, in my practice is that uh, to really be able to help teenagers, number one is we have to have a, a much better understanding of what, as parents, the expectation is for our children. And secondly, I think it's very important that we have uh, a, a sense of, of where teenagers are today versus where they have been in the past. And, and, you know, for example, one thing that comes to mind is, is sometimes parents will say, you know, well, my, my, my son, my daughter, you know, they have, they're spending so much time, let's say online, they're spending so much time uh, on gaming and they don't, they're not out and about doing things with their friends. Well, today that's, that would be very normal for a lot of teenagers to have friends online, to have friends through gaming systems. And, and so the expectations haven't really caught up. And so part of, part of what I do is, is also sort of laying the groundwork for what, what is considered normal by today's standards. And I think a lot of parents have a difficult time uh, accepting that. And so a lot, of, a lot of the work, it revolves around assessing where a family is, assessing the roles, assessing the boundaries. And I'm sure we'll get into that uh, in a little bit, but again, a, a variety of issues with teenagers. Uh, and a lot of them I would say are very normal issues that, that you and I probably had as teenagers as well. Yeah, definitely. And so what made you um, want to get into this line of work, Brad? So I, I think, you know, look, I, I like to think I'm relatively young. So I, I like, I, I think I can relate to, to teenagers and to the issues that, that they're experiencing. Um, I, I think it's important for teenagers and kids in general to be able to have a, a voice. You know, sometimes I refer to myself as, as a coach when I'm working with a family and, and I really find value in helping teenagers be understood by their parents and by the, uh, their support system in general. Um, teenagers are, are, are young. They, and so there's a great opportunity for them to be able to sort of get ahead of whatever's bothering them. Uh, especially as they transition in their lives. And so I think there's a real connection to be able to help teenagers and young adults. And, and I just, I think I just connect, you know, with, with that age group. Yeah, that's great. And you mentioned about teenagers having a voice and I think a lot of times teenagers feel that they don't, especially when there's a divorce and, you know, when parents enter even into a new relationship with a new partner, the kids are not really part of that decision. And a lot of times they have trouble accepting the changes that come, whether it's from the divorce, from the new blended family, from sometimes a move they have to make. And so I want you to speak on this and let's help our listeners understand a little bit more um, what's going on for their teenager when they are shaken up and they are forced to have their life changed when they don't feel they have a voice. And maybe you can also share how we as parents can help them through this while also conveying to them that their voice does matter to us. Because a lot of times I think that we don't act like it does as parents. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, with, with families that are going through divorce, you know, you know, kids, teenagers, young adults, they're aware most of the time that there is something happening in the family that that will lead to a divorce. You know, a lot of the times children and teens are very uh, perceptive of what is happening in their family. And so as parents, the idea is to is to not treat your children, not treat your teenagers as if they don't know what's going on. Most of the time, I think they do know what's going on. And there's a, there's a degree of appropriateness that parents should have and parents can have when discussing this with their kids. Of course, it's, 
when you say give a voice to, to teenagers, ultimately a divorce is between two parents. And, and I think there's a, there's a role that it stay that way. I, where I think is, what I think is important for teenagers is that they are, they are a part of the discussion in terms of being, the word that comes to mind is educated, but in terms of, of parents being able to share with their children, you know, that, that the family is going through some changes, um, that the moving forward, that the idea, of course, assuming that there is not a, a traumatic event, that both parents will stay involved, um, that their children's lives are not disrupted, that their children continue and their teenagers continue to be able to engage in the activities and the friendships that they have. And of course, this could all be subject to change if, you, if, if there's relocation involved, if there's financial issues involved. But I think the, the biggest point is to have as little disruption to your children and teenagers' lives as possible. And so if you are able to maintain that, I think that teenagers are able to still have their voice and able to still live a life that they are used to, as long as both parents agree to reduce and ultimately limit uh, or, or, or get rid of any disruption to what their, how their teenagers were living. Okay. That's a good answer. Um, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's really <laughs> tough with, with the teenagers because, um, you're right. It, it isn't, the divorce doesn't have to do with them. It has to do with us, but they are involved in some way. Sure. And it's good that they understand that we, we realize that we at least can acknowledge that the changes affect them as well. So thank you. Um, another really big issues for teenagers and really all children of divorce, all, um, is getting caught in the middle of their bio parents. Parents do this yeah. all the time. Uh, this is, I feel a little bit more painful for the teenager than the younger child though, because the teenager kind of understands a little bit more of what might be going on with their parents. It's a little bit more uncomfortable for them. They're also usually in a time of angst anyway as teenagers. So getting caught up in their parents' feelings can be super painful. And we already know that no child ever wants to be in the middle of an argument, in the middle of their parents. Right. They don't want to be the messenger. It's something I preach about on my show often to not put them in the middle, but it does happen still. Uh, and sometimes we can really try, but it could be the other parent who's doing it and we have no control over that. So talk to us, tell us why is it damaging to put our, our teenagers in the middle? Tell us how to stop doing it, especially if we have an uncooperative ex who is maybe doing it more. Yeah. So, so what you're talking about is really what we call triangulation and triangulation is in this case, it's, it's when messages are being conveyed through a third party. So again, think of like a triangle. Uh, and, and what happens in this case is, is that one parent uses a child as a, as a means to communicate to the other parent. And, and so w what this does is, is that it puts the child, as you said, in a very, or the teenager, I should say, in a very dangerous position. And ultimately what it does is it says that I'm going to tell you something that I want you to go tell. Let's say a father tells a child something, a, a teenager, and the teenager then, you know, passes this message on to to a uh, to his or her mother. This creates a tremendous amount of damage. Ultimately, what it does is it puts a lot of pressure on a on a teenager that, in some ways, they have to pick sides. And a teenager should never be put in a position where they have to pick sides. It's also not. The other issue is that a parent is using their teenager in some situations as almost like a, a therapist or a counselor or a guide to sort of vent to them about what's going on, which is which is highly inappropriate. 
particularly because that's not the role of a teenager. A teenager is not there to hear about their, their, their parents' issues. And some listeners might be saying, look, I'm comfortable telling my, my, my teenage son, my teenage daughter, all, all these you know, things that are going on, you know, they listen. And, and I would say that, that that's not their role. And, and it's not appropriate for a teenager to be brought into a conflict that involves uh, two parents. The parents need to resolve this issue with themselves. So oftentimes, what I would say to people in this case is, is if a parent is telling uh, a child what's going on is, is, is to, you know, to sort of put a stop to it by saying, look, this is an issue between you and mom, or this is an issue between you and dad. Um, you need to handle it with, uh, with him. You need to handle it with her. In other words, do not bring me into your issue, because ultimately what you're doing is you're putting me in a difficult position where I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't. And that can create a tremendous amount of anxiety. Uh, a, a lot of ambivalence, a lot of hesitation, um, and, and ultimately it can cause resentment. So parents need to do a, a better job of this process of communicating with each other, not involving their children. Yeah, I love that you bring up communication because that's a huge piece. Actually, my next question, because I feel like with teens, they it, they have unfulfilled needs or unspoken difficulties. They're not great at communicating them. It's difficult for them sometimes. They don't know how it's going to be received. Um, and also, many adults still can't even communicate properly. And so they're not always modeled the right kind of communication, especially between their bio parents, maybe who can't get along and they might be needing extra attention. They could be struggling with feelings of insecurity. They could be having a difficult time with the members of the new blended family. You know, I have four teenagers and I know that they talk when they want to talk, but not always when I ask what's wrong. So how can we make sure, Brad, that they're communicating their needs to us and that they're not holding back? Um, and maybe you can give us just some general tips on communicating with a teenager, since that's what you spend a lot of time doing. And us parents don't always know the, the best ways. Yeah. So I, I think you, you hit a very important point, which is it's, you know, we want teenagers to be able to express themselves, but we don't want to, we don't want to pry and we don't want to overcompensate by always saying, Hey, is something wrong? Hey, is something wrong? Is something wrong? I, I think there's value in letting, in letting teenagers, you know, be the driver of their own car when think you know, creating an environment in an assertive way that allows for teenagers to be able to express themselves. And what I mean by that is, is that we create an environment that says without any uh, negative reaction, without any sort of punitive consequences is that teenagers are able to, to speak openly about what's going on. So you mentioned in terms of, you know, biological uh, parents versus let's say in a blended, in a blended family, I think teenagers uh, deserve and have earned the right as part of a family to be able to openly express themselves if there is something that they are concerned about, something that they have questions about, something that they disagree with. You know, oftentimes we'll send a mixed signal, which is we really want you to talk. We really want you to share something. And then when somebody shares something, uh, we say, I can't believe you think that. I can't believe you feel that way. And, and we completely shut them down and invalidate their experience and and. You know, in a blended family, it's it's very difficult to, for for teenagers. You know, you're 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 used to 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 a uh, one family, and then all of a sudden things change, and you might have uh, some discomfort. So, I think the number one thing we need to do is to create an environment that, no matter what is said, uh, there is acceptance of what is said, and people are able, uh, teenagers are able to voice their concerns, and and 
they are not judged, they are not dismissed, they are not ridiculed for, for what's going on. You know, teenagers uh, also, it's important that they have an outlet for them, for themselves to be able to, to share what's going on, whether this is through friends, this is through extracurricular activities. You know, oftentimes it doesn't need to just be parents that are the recipient of, of what's going on with their teenagers in terms of, of listening and, and providing support. There's so many other outlets and, and there's a lot of other outlets that are able to do what we want our teenagers to do. And, and a lot of times friends fill that role. Again, uh, various outlets in the community, extracurricular activities. So I do think that's important that just because teens aren't telling parents what's going on doesn't mean that they're not telling other people what's going on. That's good. That's good. And you're so right. You know, we want our kids to be honest with us, but then when we don't like what they say, we react poorly and we create an unsafe environment for them to feel that they can be honest in the future. I've been guilty of this. I'm sure every parent listening has been guilty of this at one point or another. And it's not so bad on random topics, but really different when a teenager tells us something bad about our partner or our partner's kids. And I'm asking you this because this is a very common issue that a teen will try to be honest and say they don't like their step-parent or step-siblings or something's going on there that they need to communicate and the bio-parent is instantly in fear so they get angry or tense because they don't know what to do with this information and the teen recognizes the energy and now just isn't going to feel safe to share anything in the future. So, um, And in most cases, the parent just doesn't know how to respond to this. It, It can feel really overwhelming because we love this new person and now our child is telling us that they don't like them. So tell us how to manage a situation like that because we want to be there for our child. We want to honor their feelings, but we also want to honor our our new relationship, maybe our relationship with our partner and our blended family. So what do we do in a case like this? So I'll go back to the prior point, you know, again, is, is that, is that number one is, is you, is you listen again, that teenagers have the freedom to express themselves and, and I, I think part of it is that, is that the idea is that they don't have to be 100%, you know, uh, saying this is my new best friend. And, 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 you know, I don't necessarily know if, if we want teenagers to do that, but I do think there's a degree of respect that, that, that we have that teenagers and everyone should have. There's a sense of mutual respect, which is, uh, number one is, you know, that if you find somebody, a new partner, that teenagers respect their parents uh, wishes and their parents, you know, uh, desire to, to find somebody else and to continue to build a life. And how do you convey that to a teenager is that, you know, in, in a, your own unique way, that's, that is, that is, uh, fitting to your personality, to your style, to be able to communicate that in an appropriate way to, to your child, to your teenager. And, and the second point is, is that there's going to be growing pains, is that you know? I would almost preface by saying I don't expect you to um, to like you know uh, this new member of our family. I don't expect you to you know be head over heels and and, and you know be so you know say this is the greatest person ever. Uh, it, it's it's new, and I and I I think there should be an understanding for both parties on every side to be able to get to know each other to to start to learn what your own limitations are to understand. You know, what what bothers you? What does not bother you? What is your own level of tolerance for this other person? And to realize that, you know, you're not always going to get everything you want. Some people are going to bother you. Some people you're going to like more than others. And when it happens in a blended family, 
it starts, you know, it starts to get tricky because it's not necessarily who you grew up with. And as teenagers, you know, the older you get, the more freedom you want. Uh, and, and again, there's, there could be some changes happening in the house. So I think it comes down to, again, number one is open communication. And number two is a sense of mutual respect. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's also important for parents to realize that just because you may love your partner and you may love your step kids doesn't mean that your kids are going to have the same bonds and the same dynamic. And you shouldn't get upset about that because you can't force these things. I think a lot of blended families try to force their kids to love somebody. And that's just putting more pressure on the kids and more pressure on the family. So I'm glad that you said that. Um, And the same thing, I guess, when it comes to step-siblings, because I know as parents, we get really hung up on the need for, for all the siblings to get along as if they were bio. You know, our kids used to fight a lot. You know, we Mm -hmm. have two and two and we used to, we didn't like it when they fought, but when they did fight, it kind of told us, you know what, they look at each other like a real family and real siblings fight. So it's okay for step siblings to fight too. And, but I'd like for you to talk to the parents and explain to them, um, because I know it's unrealistic for us to try to control that situation. Um, what do, what do parents need to know about um, their children and stepchildren, whether they get along or they don't get along, what what can make our parents feel a little bit better about this if they don't get along? Well, I'm glad that you brought up the, your your own experience in terms of the fighting. I think you bring up a good point, which is that that the that in in terms of getting along, and then of course parents are going to be concerned that if 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 two different sets of siblings, then they share a roof together, and they and everyone wants. And, and both parents want their children to get along. What you said, I think, is a very important point, which is that they the, the fighting in some way shows that they are they are going to they are going to resolve this issue amongst themselves. Now, some parents who are listening might say, "Well, I don't want my kids clobbering one another. That sounds very dangerous. That sounds very reckless." To your point, though, I do think there's something that says, "Look, we're 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 going to treat each other the way that we would treat each other if we were biologically related." And we're going to try to resolve. We're going to try to resolve some things that are going on in the house. I think, it, you know, of course, you don't want things getting out of hand. I think, in terms of what's happening on, in a family, is that is that there should still be an expectation that that the house is no different than the house of your house of uh, of your biological parents. That there's mm-hmm. still rules. That there's still an expectation that people get along, even if they don't like each other. That there's still an expectation for, uh, for some sense uh, of normalcy. Now, what I do think is important is that is that siblings, you know, two separate groups of siblings are going to bring two different rules and expectations that they have from their own families into this new house, and so sometimes these these might clash. And so I think it's important for siblings and, and newly formed siblings to also respect each other's autonomy. To respect each other's uh, the the rules that they originally came to this family with, um, you know, their their moral codes that they came to this family with, their expectations. I do think that there is some obligation for siblings to have to discuss this with each other, and I think as parents, there there's an obligation to also facilitate that amongst their kids to tell them to speak openly to their new siblings about about their feelings. And what we know today is that teenagers are much more willing to to be open about their feelings, their thoughts uh, with with their contemporaries than they were 20, 30 years ago. 
Well, that's good. I didn't know that. So you taught me something new today. So that's wonderful. Um, what are some things, Brad, you see in your line of work that parents of teenagers do uh, that seem to always make things worse, not better? This is a good chance for you to tell us what not to do as, as parents of teens. So I think there's, there's, there's a, few, uh, a few things. So number one is, is I think we have to understand what is, a, what is the role of, of a child in, or a teenager? And so I would say there's two things. One is it is to be in school. That's number one. And number two is the sense of play. And what I mean by play is that is the ability to express your feelings, to express your aggression. And we, you know, we all have these, these desires that we have to sort of express ourselves. And I think beyond that, parents sometimes get in the way of this and they try to implement a lot of rules but the rules don't benefit the kids. The rules benefit them as parents because it makes their life more convenient. And what this does is it, is it really gets in the way of what I would say is very normal, healthy development in teenagers. And so I think we, I think parents, where, where parents get tripped up is they have all these expectations of what they think they should be doing, all these expectations of what you know they think is best for their children. But in many ways, it's not. And I think by letting uh, I'll give you an example. You know, if your if if your child decides to wear you know an outfit that things don't match, you don't have to correct that. Let there's respect the freedom, respect the autonomy that your child has, your teenager has, to go out into the world and wear something that they think is appropriate. It could be anything very small like that, where parents start to get in the way and start to say you shouldn't do that, you should do this. And that gets in the way of, of, of healthy development. That gets in the way uh, of, of autonomy, of making decisions for yourself, of, of self-actualization, self-determination. And so I think parents, if they took a step back and they asked themselves, if, is what I'm saying, does it interfere with my child's ability to make decisions for themselves? And if it's not hurting anybody, I would say, let it go. Parents have a difficult time letting go. Yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> yeah. And and I think a lot of parents, you know, we have a, a it's a controlling thing. Not, you know, even me, I'm I'm not controlling in a mean way, but I I have a very controlled life. I like to have everything just so. And I think that I used to try to impose that on my kids, yeah. not understanding that they need to figure out their own way to do things. And just because I think that I know the best way doesn't mean it's the best way for them. And that's really hard as a parent. Like when how do you know when to kind of cut that cord? What, what, at what age is appropriate to start taking a step back and letting them do some of these things on their own? I would say the, the earlier, the better. And, mm -hmm. and, and when, I, when I say that, again, I'm not talking about if, if, you're, if your child is doing something reckless or dangerous. But, you know, the, it's funny that the world, the world has a way of, of, you know, figuring these things out. And it's been like that since the beginning of time. You know, parents... Parents sometimes, in my experience, think that unless they're the ones who do the correction, unless they're the ones who are in control, unless they're the ones who are sort of driving the decision making, that their child will not make it, that their child yeah. will sort of not survive. And, and it doesn't work that way. I mean, things sort, of, things sort of work out and take care of themselves. And so I think there, there needs to be a greater sense of trust in our children and our teenagers that they're going to make the right decision. They're going to make a decision that's beneficial to them. They're going to make a decision uh, that will help them develop uh, and, and facilitate and foster a greater sense of independence, academic success, uh, building friendships, making healthy decisions in their relationships. 
when parents, the you know, it's, it's think of it like a rubber band. The more control you have, the tighter it is, the more likely it is to snap. Yeah, that's a good analogy. And I, and I think um, it's hard as parents because I think that yeah. a lot of times we're like that because we're afraid. We're just in fear all the time, fear that they're not going to be okay, fear that, like you said, they're going to make the wrong decision. But um, so that's some really good advice. So if you could be a voice for teenagers right now, um, what would you want to convey to the parents listening? Was that it? Or do you have something else to add to that? Well, I would say is, is trust. I mean, I, I want to go, you know, I'm glad you bring that, bring up the, you know, the voice piece, which is think about any relationship is built on trust. And so teenagers know that if their parents don't trust them, you know, it, it, it's, it's somewhat insulting. What I would say for, for, if I was a, you know, if I was advocating for teenagers, what I, what I like to say to parents is that, well, you, there's rules and, and, and expectations that parents have for their teenagers. To me, there's also an unwritten contract that teenagers should have for their parents, which is, is that it's a two-way street, that there's also expectations that teenagers should have of their parents. And teenagers' expectation of their parents is, is that, you know, of course, again, this is all within, within reason, but trust me that I'm doing the right thing. And that I am that you raised me in a way that allows for me to make smart, healthy choices. Now, look, teenagers are, are notorious for taking, you know, some degree of uh, of risk that, you know, we look back and say, well, I'm not sure that's appropriate. But we have to look at it as in terms of age appropriate risk. In other words, is this something that most or all teenagers are doing? And if that's the case, then I think the response has to be appropriate. You know, parents, I think, are, are, are overly concerned that, that their teenagers are, are, are going to do something that is going to put them in danger, that is going to jeopardize them. And, and look, in today's world, I get it. Uh, you know, to, you, you put one thing on social media, you do one thing, it's, you know, you can have your entire reputation and life ruined. So, so I understand parents' anxiety and concerns. I think the idea, though, is, is to implement this, this, this trust uh, that your teenage child is going to do something, is going to do what's right. And that there's a, a line of open communication, which is, I want to know that if I'm a teenager, I want to know that I can go to my parents, whether it's my step parent or my biological parent. Of course, some people have better relationships with their step parents and to, and to, and to be able to say, Hey, look, this is what's going on. And I don't want you to judge me. I don't want you to dismiss me. I don't want you to criticize me. I just sometimes need a vent and I don't want you to uh, you know, I don't want you to be punitive. So I think that's very important as well. Yeah, that's, that's such good answers, such wonderful stuff. Now I did put out to my listeners to send in some questions and I got a lot of questions. We don't have time for them all today, but I picked three questions that I think would be helpful um, to more than one family because I, I get lots of questions all the time. So we'll just go through those real quick. Um, sure. The first one is, is a pretty general question, which was how do you manage differences in rules and kids' reactions to them? And I think what she specifically means, obviously, is her bio children and her stepchildren children under the same roof, but having two different sets of rules from each parent, which happens very often. Um, so if there's two teenagers and they see that the rules are different, they're obviously not going to be happy with that. And so um, what should a parent do in that situation? Well, I think, look, I, with rules, I, I think it, de it, it depends. I mean, if you have, if you have a teenager who is, let's say, who is unruly, out of control, uh, failing school, I, I think the 
having different set of rules is appropriate versus a, a, another sibling who is, you know, who, who is doing everything. Um, I don't want to use the word right, but is but but is sort of, you know, is within the lines. So so in that sense, I do think that rules can change. What I think is important, though, I, I would I would I would make one change to to the question that the that the listener asked, which is that under the same roof, both parents ha- are, are on the same page when it comes to enforcing the rules. So that so. In other words, if you go back to one of your earlier questions about, you know, triangulation and using kids is, is sometimes one parent gives one, you know, one set of rules and the other parent gives a different set of rules, which is very confusing to teenagers. So I think as long as both parents are on the same page, then I think it's, then I think it's okay. Um, again, rules, rules are, 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 should be somewhat flexible depending on what's happening with your teenager. You know, again, if, if you have a teenager who's doing things that are that's reckless and dangerous, you know, you're probably not going to have the same set of rules for that for that child that you would for someone who, who isn't doing that. So I do think there can be flexibility in rules, but both parents need to be on the same page. OK, now what about a situation where like, I'm just throwing this out there because um, I know I have people that could relate. What if you have two 16 year old girls, one on each side, and they're both let's just say they're both good students, mm-hmm. um, very similar behaved, but one set of parents won't allow that child to have a cell phone, but the other set of parents does allow the cell phone. Um, I can just imagine how that can cause, or maybe a little younger, because usually by that time they, they all have cell phones, but maybe like 14. What yeah. would parents do in that situation? Because that can cause a really big rift um, when you just have one set of parents that just has just very different expectations than the other. Um, what happens there? Yeah. So I think, you know, look, depending on the level of communication between the, you're talking about, you know, the one biological parent once, once, once yes. their child. Yeah. So I, I think if there's a way to communicate that with the other, with the other parent, um, I'm, you know, it, I think it depends on what's behind not wanting to have, to have a phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, like today phones are, uh, they seem to be rather essential. I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, but I couldn't, it's very hard to go a day without a phone. Uh, so, so, you know, I understand it. I, I, I'd be curious to know what's behind it that, yeah. you know, that one parent is, is opposed and the other, the other is against, but of course that can create a, a riff within a family. Um, but you have, you know, Hey, we're the same age. Every, we're, we're both doing the same thing. You, you tell us that we're part of the same family. You tell us that, you know, all these rules that, you know, we're supposed to be, yeah, you know, in sync and in harmony, and yet I'm not able to have a phone, mm-hmm. and, and so I think that can be very confusing for for a teenager. But I do think this is a situation where both biological parents need to sort of come together and say, you know, figure something out on on their own, because they're doing it for their they're doing it for their teenager. So the, the coming together, you know, um, is to help the teenager not resolve anything with them. So hopefully they can put their differences aside to make a decision for their child. Yeah. And thank you, Brad, for that answer. I know that was kind of a a hard question to answer. And I know that there's so many variables, um, but this is just common stuff. And I wanted parents to just, you know, to understand. But again, in my own family, we, my, my two and Sean's two never had always the same set of rules and expectations. It was very different, but we, the way we managed it was we had to explain to the kids that 
these are your parents and these are your parents. And sometimes this is just the way that it goes. I mean, but we would always at least, like you said, communicate about it. So thank you for that. Um, the next question, this one, um, believe it or not, this, there's, this has come up multiple times, okay, um, mm -hmm. from different people. So it says, what do you do if your teen and step teen end up becoming too fond of one another? My daughter has taken a liking to my stepson and him to her. They are 16 and 17, but we've been blended for five years. My husband and I feel very uncomfortable with this and we don't know how to handle it. We're afraid they'll sneak around and how can we possibly keep them separated as we all live together? Should I be concerned? Yeah, so, so it's, a, it's an interesting question. It's a difficult question and I think it's unique to each family. You know, I, I, I'll say in my practice, I've, I've never come across this issue. Uh, that, of course, doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. You know, what I would say is, is again, is fostering that, that open communication. Look, it, it, in some areas, it might be considered taboo uh, and it might be very uncomfortable, of course, for for the newly formed family to say, hey, look, you know, I see I see this child as my as my daughter. I see this child as my son. And, and now they're you know, there's there's romance involved or, 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 you know, they're becoming sexually interested in one another. Um, I, I think, look, I. I don't have an answer. I think that is, you know, that is sufficient. Uh, I would be, if I was a therapist for, for what's going on, I mean, I, I would like to, I would have a lot more questions and I think I have answers mm -hmm. uh, to be able to explore it. I, I, what I would say is, is that is, you know, to sort of for parents to be able to explore this with their, with, with their teenage children, which is, Hey, you know, look, what's going on. Is this something that, um, you know, uh, how do you see, how do you see your, your sister or your brother, you know, your step, you know, I, I think almost if you use the word stepsister and stepbrother, you know, maybe someone says, oh, you know, maybe that, maybe this is wrong. Maybe this isn't, this isn't something I want to do again. I don't, it, it's not something that you want to punish for. Um, but you know, I, I think it's something worth exploring. And as a therapist, I would certainly be curious to explore that on a more intimate level with, um, with each particular uh, teenager. Unfortunately, I don't, I, I don't have anything that, that comes to mind. I'm sure other therapists would have, you know, you could ask a thousand therapists and they would all probably have a very different opinion uh, of that situation. Um, but uh, I think it's important to sort of find out more what's going on by speaking to, uh, to the teenagers, because as you said, they can sneak around and mm -hmm. that could make things a lot worse. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want that kind of stuff going on in your house, but I agree, you know, talk to them a little bit more, maybe find a therapist locally that can help you get through the situation. And then the other thing I'll say about it is, you know, and this is probably not going to make anybody feel any better, but if you do find yourself in a situation like that, um, it's not typical that kids that date or kids that, you know, are together, end up together in the long term. Right. Um, so but that's, I know that's not promising for somebody that's going through it right now that is in that discomfort, but usually you don't see that um, tend to last. Sure. Uh, but, but thank you for that advice. And again, um, seek some counseling if this is becoming a difficult issue for your blended family. Uh, the last question, um, this is very common, Brad, uh, on different levels, but it says, my teenager is extremely rude to my wife, which is her stepmom. I'm in the middle constantly and I don't want to choose. How do I keep them both happy while teaching my daughter to have better manners, but also being sure I'm being fair to her? So I think, you know, it depends. I think with a teenager, you know, if they're, if a teenager is typically rude to another, to a step parent, 
there's probably a lot of anger and resentment. And it's and, and that anger and resentment is probably directed at the biological parent. And except that the, the except that the the teenager does not want to express that to the to the biological parent for for a variety of reasons. And so it's taken out on a step parent. So uh, in this particular case, uh, I think, again, it goes back to this idea of being able to communicate of, of if there's something that's going on, um, given the family history, given the given, let's say, a divorce, you know, um, some teenagers and I would say probably a, a significant amount of teenagers are not are are are, are not necessarily in favor of their of their families getting divorced even though they're you know sometimes there's chaos it's still what's known and it's familiar so so when they see a family split up you know all kinds of uh, emotions and thoughts uh, and changes changes are happening so uh, on a more practical level you know i i think there's there should be an expectation again i'm saying should which is that hey you don't have to you know this is you don't have to be this person's best friend, but you do have to, but you do have to show some respect. And I think also it's not just doing, you know, respect the individual because it's the right thing to do, but because as a parent, you know, you're, you're doing it for me, not necessarily for you. Uh, and, and I think that's an important point, you know, in our lives all the time, we, you know, we make, we do things not because we want to, but because of the people that we love, we know that it's important to them. And so we, we end up, uh, doing things and, and making some sacrifices. And I think this is an example of one. On the more therapeutic piece, I do think that it would be important for this teenager to be able to explore within themselves what is going on that, that they have such a negative reaction to a, to a step-parent. What is it about this step-parent? What is it about what's going on with themselves that they have such hostility? That part, I think, is, is the therapeutic piece that should be explored. Yeah, that's great. And for everybody that sent in questions, I'm sorry that we couldn't get to them all. Um, I will hang on to them for future shows, or you can certainly reach out to Brad for some further help. Brad, what's the best way for the listeners to reach you? So the best way is if you go to so at my website, you can contact me directly. It's bradjaffetherapy.com. And I have a contact, um, I have a contact section there as well. Um, I know occasionally I, I, I blog when I, when I have the, when I have the time, but yeah, if you go to my website, um, then you know, bradjaffetherapy.com, you can reach out to me, um, you know, and, uh, we can go from there. Okay, great. And before we go, is there anything that I've not mentioned that you want to leave my listeners with any words of encouragement, anything? Um, you know, I think again, it's, it's, it's that, with teenagers, I mean, we've, we've all been there is, is that we ha is respecting teenagers autonomy. I mean, that to me is, is one of the most important things that parents can do is that we respect if, if your teenager is not hurting themselves and not hurting anybody else, that we support uh, teenagers, what it is that they want to do and what it is that they're pursuing. Again, sometimes parents get in the way of, facilitating an environment that allows their kids to be expressive, to follow uh, their passion and to be able to express themselves. And so ask yourself before, you know, interfering or intervening, am I doing this because it makes me uncomfortable or am I doing, you know, or am I doing this because I don't think it's the right thing for my teenager. And I think when you, when you find that it's making you uncomfortable, that's a good opportunity to reevaluate how you're interfering in your child's life. 
Thank you, Brad. You've given us such great advice today. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. Parents, I hope that today's show gave you some insight possibly into your teenager's mind in the hopes that it can shift your perspective a little bit so we can understand our young adults just a little bit better. It's easy to get frustrated with them, but they're dealing with their own challenges that are unique to them and definitely unique to the times that we're living in today. So be sure to join myself and Brad next week for part two, where we're going to speak directly to your teenager and offer them advice for the challenges that they're facing. Thank you so much. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.